I got a question for everybody. What a Christmas time brings out that inner child in you. What a Christmas time makes you feel like a kid again. You don't have to answer out loud, but think about that. And maybe you are a kid. Maybe you are, you are a child, and you're sitting here thinking, well, I love everything about Christmas. That's good. Hold on to that. Don't lose it, because it seems like the older we get, sometimes we lose the excitement of Christmas amidst the pressure and the busyness. So let me ask again, what at Christmas time makes you feel like a kid again? Perhaps it's what we just did, getting and giving gifts. Maybe eating that candy cane, maybe we've got lots of those in the lobby, by the way, maybe that makes you feel like a kid again when you eat a candy cane, like, you know, Cindy Lou Who there enjoying her candy cane. Or perhaps you don't like candy canes, maybe, uh, maybe that inner child comes out in you when you lick that frozen pole that you see. Okay, bad idea. It's not really that funny. Kids, don't do that. It could, re- it could result in some serious injury. And speaking of a serious injury, uh, maybe, maybe you go back to a childhood memory when you think about the Red Rider BB gun you got and you were told not to shoot your eye out. Anybody get a Red Rider BB gun for Christmas? Wow, you don't know what you're missing. <laughs> or maybe, uh, maybe you feel like a kid again when you plug in the Christmas lights for the first time, like Clark Griswold there. Or you know what, maybe the inner kid in you comes out, the child comes out. When you get to spread the Christmas cheer by singing loudly for all to hear, the list goes on and on. Lots of ways that Christmas time can make you feel like a kid again. You know, early last week I had an experience uh, that made me feel like a kid again. I caught up with my daughter. She was on route coming home from college for the Christmas break, and we caught up in uh, downtown Seattle, Washington. And we went to lunch at a place called the Crab Pot. Anybody ever been to a Crab Pot or something like that? Pretty good. If you ever have an opportunity, you've never been, that was the first time for us. I would highly recommend it because here's, what's ha- here's what happens. They bring out a wooden hammer, a board, and you even get to wear a bib, okay? Then they bring out a pot of crab parts. They dump it on the table, and then for like a half hour, 45 minutes, I proceeded to beat crab parts like crab legs. There's things flying all over the place. There's shell landing on the, on the floor. I think it hit our neighbors. They didn't say anything to us. You talk about feeling like a kid again. Oh, it was great. Like I said, you ought to try it if you never have. Then after lunch, we went to downtown, into downtown Seattle. We started walking the streets. We started just kind of hanging out by the pier. And wouldn't you know it, but I began to hear music playing. I don't know. I didn't look real closely. Perhaps it was some kind of a public PA system. Maybe there were public speakers plastered all over, but this music filled the streets in downtown Seattle. And maybe you know, maybe you've been there and you've heard this happen. And as we're walking along, there was a song that played right there in the middle of the day. And the song is, What Child Is This? And I heard lines like, Joy, joy, for Christ is born. King of kings, salvation brings. And it stopped me in my tracks because how often does the busyness, the hustle, the bustle, the pressure, the stress, how often does that cause me to miss the greatest gift that we've been given and the hope that we have in him. And I looked at all the faces of the people. It was busy. They're walking around. And I thought to myself, how many people in this world are lost, walking in darkness and looking for hope? And there it was being sung about downtown Seattle on the streets. Christ is born. Oh, the wonder and hope 
that God himself, the God of this universe, would become a child. That's what we're going to talk about for the rest of our time together. The wonder and hope and the fact that God became a child. We're going to look at John chapter 1 and go through verses 9 through 14. We're going to have the verses on the screen. I encourage you to follow along. And certainly you're welcome if you'd like to grab your Bible and follow along as well. A few of you have new Bibles that you could track with me. All right. John chapter 1. Verses 9 through 14. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which is his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Would you join me in prayer? Oh, Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for Your Word. Jesus, we are thankful for what You have done for us. We give You praise. It's why we gather. Holy Spirit, we invite You into this place. Would You lead us? Would You teach us? from the Word of God. Thank you, God, that you are willing to become a child and that we have hope. And it's in the mighty name of the King we serve. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. If you've been with us for the last three, four weeks here at Faith E, we've been going through a sermon series titled Light of the World. We've been talking about how Jesus is the light of the world. And really, that's where we begin, right, in this passage in verse 9, because it says this, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. There is just one true light, and his name is Jesus Christ. And his light is available for all people. But just because his light is available for all people doesn't mean that all people receive him as the one true light. Kind of talked about that in the intro. We're going to talk about that in the next verse. People prefer darkness. But whether or not people receive Jesus as the one true light doesn't change the fact that he is. He came into the world and he is the light of the world. You know, another way to illustrate what John's talking about here in the beginning of this passage in verse 9 is to think of it like this, and this helps me kind of understand really where John is coming from. Imagine you're in a small town in the Old West. Small town in the Old West, and that small town has but one teacher. That's it, one teacher in the entire town. Now, some of the citizens of that town choose to be students of the teacher, and some choose not to be. But whether or not they choose to be a a student of that teacher doesn't change the fact that there's just one teacher. That's how I think of Jesus as the light of the world. There is no other true, there is no other divine, there's no other eternal, there's no inner light, there's no light that brings hope, there's no light that brings peace apart from the light of Christ. And when he came into the dark world, light came with him. One of the things we talk about at Christmas all the time is that the star of Christ shone bright in the night sky. That's how the Magi found him. The night he was born, an angel proclaimed his birth to the shepherds. They were terrified because the glory of God filled the night sky. Jesus is the true light of the world, and he came into a dark world. And I love if we bump down just a few verses in this text to verse 14, 
I love the picture that we get. It's beautiful of how Jesus entered the world we live in because it says this. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The word, meaning Jesus, God himself, put on skin and he dwelt among us. That word dwelt or dwelling in verse 14, it's interesting because it means to pitch a tent. You see the picture we have here in verse 14? What John is saying is, and it's true, Jesus came and he pitched a tent, not just a temporary tent, but it's like he pitched a tent in our backyard and he lived among us. And you know, I can't think of a more beautiful verse that captures really this Christmas, this Advent message than what we have in verse 14. And I call it the Christmas, the Advent message, instead of a story. And you may think, well, that's kind of splitting hairs, Paul. What's the difference? Well, for me, you know, a story is, I don't know, Lord of the Rings, the Grinch. But what we have in verse 14, what we have in every verse of God's Word is truth. It's the very breath of God. It's His message to us, His people. The Christmas, the Advent message, it happened. It's fact. At a point in mankind's history, God stepped into this world. God himself put on flesh, clothed himself in humanity in the person of Jesus Christ. Christ is born. He spoke, he walked, he talked, and with him came the kingdom of God to a dark world. I think all people, we can all safely say, this world can be a dark place. And we were all born into it. But thanks be to God, he doesn't leave us in that dark, in that helpless place. He doesn't leave us lost. Instead, God, God became a child, and with him came light. The first gift I want you to hold on to this Christmas is this. God became a child, and he gives us light. He gives us light. Matter of fact, on your little handout, one side talks about the happenings here at Faithy, and the other has the list of what we're going to be going through. But God became a child, and he gives us light. Emmanuel, God with us. The creator stepped into the world. He created. And now check out the first half of verse 10, or listen to what it says. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him. The world was made through him. All of creation, the world itself, certainly including people, because we're the only thing in creation that's made in the image of God, all is made through the person of Jesus Christ. That's what verse 10 is talking about, the beginning there. Matter of fact, if we were to backtrack a few verses to the beginning of this chapter, to verse 3, we would read this, through him all things were made, through Jesus all things were made, and then verse 4 says this, in him was life, and that life was the light of mankind. Here's the point that John is making. Before the beginning, before the foundations of the world were laid, there's always been divine life. There's always been divine life. It's always been around. There's always been a person without a beginning. And his name is Jesus because he's God. He's eternal. I just want to slow down and just almost stop right there for a moment. Would you just let that sink in? For me, that gives me such encouragement, such hope. There is always, forever, always, always been a person without a beginning. 
and his name is Jesus. It's his birth we celebrate at Christmas. He's God. He's eternal. You know, another stop that Michaela and I took when we were in downtown Seattle, we stopped by the aquarium. Anybody ever been to the aquarium in Seattle or another aquarium? All right, lots of you have. That's, that's cool. It's a fun place. When I got in there, I kind of acted like a kid again a little bit because I like looking at all the fish, you know, the tanks that are just teeming with life, and there were children running all around, checking it out. They were excited. And I took a lot of pictures. I even took a little video. Well, here's, here's a video to show you because I thought this was kind of cool. Look at that big dude at the top. I don't know what, I think it's like a big puffer fish or something. I think Michaela was getting a little embarrassed because I was putting my face close to the glass and trying to, I don't know, get its attention or something. It didn't work. But look at that. The other thing is, I thought to those fish, you're lucky you got a piece of glass between you and me because I'd like to catch you right now. But that's another, that's another subject. But I looked and I saw the diversity, the creativity, the beauty, the design, the complexity of the life just on the other side of that glass. <laughs> and I remember thinking, despite what we may be taught in the world, even maybe what was being taught there in the aquarium, there's no way all of that came out of nothing. Uh-uh. No way. That nothing produces matter and then from matter came life. It takes a lot of faith to believe that. And at the end of the day, it makes no sense. But what makes sense is what is true, is, what's we, is what we have in God's word. It's what we're studying here in John. That before the beginning, before creation, before physical matter itself, there was life. There was a person, and his name is Jesus. And through him, all things are created, and in him is life. There is no real, there is no abundant, there is no eternal life apart from Christ. There is not life in anyone or anything else. It's only life in him. So the next gift I want to give you this Christmas that I want you to hold on to is this. God became a child and he gives us life. He gives us life. God became a child. He gives us true light and true life. He came into the world he created. He came to that which is his own. He came to people. For God so loved the world, for God so loved people, but the world did not receive him. He was rejected by the world. That's what the end of verse 10 and verse 11 are all about. I mean, he was rejected before he was even born because Mary and Joseph were told there's no room for you at the end. He was rejected as he grew older. He was rejected despite all the miracles. The religious elite rejected him as the Messiah, and he's rejected in the world we live in today. He's rejected at Christmas time by the crowding out and the commercialization of Christ out of Christmas. Perhaps maybe the world rejects him because he didn't come on the world's terms. He didn't come affirming human capacity, human ingenuity, human intervention, or mankind's ability to save ourselves. No, we can't. Instead, he came to intervene on our behalf. And he calls us to surrender our lives to him and follow him. That's what we must do to be saved. But yet the world wants no part. The world wants no part. And I guess we shouldn't be all that surprised. We talked about this a few weeks ago if you were with us because... John 3.19 says this, the world loves darkness versus the light and life of Christ. I guess we shouldn't be all that surprised by his rejection. So many people in the world are lost, and it just breaks my heart when I look around and I see people looking for hope. They're lost in darkness. They prefer darkness over life, and they will be eternally lost. And I hope that breaks your heart too. You know, that's the bad news of the gospel. 
Verses 10 and 11 are grim verses. They're a sobering reminder. But once again, thanks be to God, it doesn't end at the end of verse 11. We have verses 12 and 13, and they share the good news of the gospel. And the hope in these verses just seemed to burst off the pages. Verse 12 begins with this. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name. Let me just stop there for a moment because I don't want you to leave this Christmas Eve service and miss this. Because the question we need to ask is this, what does it mean to receive him and believe in his name? What does that mean? And so I want to spend a moment talking about that. First, receiving Jesus means surrendering your life to him as king, as Lord, because that's who he is. He created all things. All things are created through him. And whether you surrender to him or not as king and Lord, he is, because that's who he is. You know, earlier I talked about him making a dwelling, pitching a tent in your backyard. If Jesus pitched a tent in your backyard, you got one of three choices of what you're going to do with that. What are you going to do with Jesus? You can, you can ignore him and pretend he's not there, camping out in your backyard. That's not receiving him as king. Option two, you can say, Jesus, come on in. Sure, come into my house, but I want you to stay down in the basement. I got a spare bedroom down there. Lock the door and don't play the music too loud. Whatever you do, don't do that because I don't want anybody to know that you're here. That's not receiving him as king. The third option is Jesus coming to the house. It's not my house, it's yours. You run the show. You can even invite him to Christmas dinner. And you say, Jesus, you're in charge. It's that third option. That's what it looks like to surrender your life and your heart to him as king. That's what it looks like to receive him. And to believe in his name is closely linked to receiving him as king. Because to believe in his name means to believe in who he is and what he came to do. And who he is is the unique son of God. He came as God himself, God in flesh, while still being fully man. And what he came to do is he died on the cross. He took the sin and shame of the world of people on his shoulders. He died on the cross as the substitute. And he defeated, he destroyed death and darkness because three days later he rose from the grave. And now he offers his light and his life to all who will receive him and believe in his name. And for those who do, we now have the very light and life of him to walk by. That means we're no longer lovers of or walkers in darkness. But instead, we're lovers of and followers of Jesus Christ, practicing the ways of the one we follow, living according to his word, his Bible. That's what that looks like to receive and believe him. There's a mark different. There should be a mark difference in somebody who follows Jesus compared to the rest of the world. It's not always easy being a follower of Jesus, is it? I mean, the world's dark. The world rejects the light. And so... It's a daily surrendering ourselves. It's a daily taking up our cross. It's a daily denying self and following the king, following Jesus. You know, it's interesting. The word, the root word for believe or belief is used over 90 times in the Gospel of John. You want to know how many times it's used as a noun? Like to have a belief, to have a faith? You know what that is? That's a big goose egg, zero Zilch, none. Over 90 times in the Gospel of John, the root word for believe is used as a verb. That's why we have to understand that true faith, true belief is active, it's continuous, it's alive, it's living, 
It's being worked out. That's what it looks like to receive him and believe in his name. It's much more than a mere mental exercise. You see, I want you to hear something else. Jesus didn't come to make you better. You might be thinking, Paul, what are you talking about? Jesus didn't come to make you better. He didn't come to make you better. He didn't come to make you better, you be, me better. He came so that we would be made new and born again. And that's what happens the moment we receive him and believe in his name. You know, there's another memory that I have as a child that takes me back to Christmas Day. And I got to tell you, this one isn't such a warm and fuzzy one. Because I was out playing somewhere where I wasn't supposed to play. I was out doing something I wasn't supposed to do. I was out walking someplace that I was not supposed to walk. And as I took step after step, I began to hear this. Um, any guesses what that eerie sound might be? I see a hand. Yes, sir. You got it. That's the sound of ice cracking beneath my feet. That's what was happening. You see, I grew up close to a pond, and I was told by my parents who are here this afternoon, don't you go near that, don't you play on that. The ice is thin, it's dangerous, but you know it just looks so fun. And I knew better. <laughs> I wasn't gonna be denied. So I did what I wanted, and I went out there and played on that ice. And you know what happened? That cracking sound eventually led to this sound. You know what that sound is, right? That's me falling through the ice. I mean, you talk about a terrifying, uh, an extremely dangerous situation. And I got a little gift for you, another one. Don't ever play on thin ice. It's dangerous. But I remember falling through the ice and, oh, I was so scared. I did everything I could to try to save myself. I was grabbing at the ice. It was breaking all around me. My feet were thrashing, water splashing. And then I hear a voice from the bank. And you know what the voice said? Paul, stand up. I can, we can laugh about that now. It wasn't very funny then. Uh, Paul, stand up. And I remember thinking, even as a young boy, there's no way I'm going to try that because if I put my feet down, what if there's nothing to stand on? I'm going to sink. So I kept doing it my own way, trying to save myself, grabbing at the ice. And the reality was soon I, would, I was going to get tired and sink anyway. You talk about a hopeless situation. I heard the voice again, Paul, stand up. And that time I listened. I did. I put my feet down, and you know what? They landed on solid ground. I was able to stand. I was able to stand. Turns out, check this out, the water was only like three feet deep. That's it. But I'll never forget the feeling I had the moment that my feet touched the solid ground. I'll never forget that moment that I was able to stand because for the first time, I had hope. I had hope. You see, I think that we look for hope in all the wrong places I think the problem is we look in the wrong places or we miss it all together. Sometimes we try to find hope in the things of this world. It's not there. 
Sometimes we try to find hope by rejecting Jesus, God's plan of salvation. Well, it's certainly not going to be there. Sometimes we try to find hope by living in darkness, not there. Living on our own, being disobedient, doing what we want, not going to find hope there. Sometimes we try to save ourselves by working hard enough, doing enough good things, being busy enough, earning enough. Well, turns out that's an awful lot like falling through the ice and just treading cold water. Not a lot of hope there. You see, here it is. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves. Hear that this Christmas Eve. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves. Our only hope is in the grace of God. He's the one who does the calling. He's the one who does the saving. You know what our job is? Our job is to stand on the solid rock, to stand on the foundation, to stand on the ground. Our job is to be rooted and to stand in the person of Jesus Christ by receiving him as our king and believing in his name. And for those who do, we see it in verse 12, that Jesus gives us the right to be counted as children of God. The right, the authority to be counted, to be considered a child of God comes from the authority of Christ alone. It's not something that we inherit from our parents, our grandparents. It's not based on human effort. It's based on what Jesus has done for us and in his authority, and he gives it to those who are followers of him. You know what that's called? It's called the gospel. It's called the good news. And I want you to get a hold of the gospel this Christmas if you don't already. Because there is no other version of the gospel out there that's true. There's only one name to believe in as your Savior. There's only one name to receive as your King, and His name is Jesus. There is no other name given among men by which we must be saved. It's only through Christ alone. He's it. He's enough. That's the gospel. That's good news. God became a child in the person of Jesus Christ, and he gives us light. He gives us life. God became a child so that we can now become children of God. That's the third gift I want you to hold on to this Christmas. <clears throat> God became a child so that we could become a child of God. And as a child of God, we are now sons and daughters of the living God. As a child of God, this planet, this place, this world, it's just our temporary home because we're now citizens of an eternal heavenly kingdom with an eternal king. As a child of God, we have an eternal inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade, and it's called eternal life. As a child of God, that begins the moment that we receive him as king and believe in his name. As a child of God, guess what loses its sting? Death. Because Christ smashed it already on the cross when he rose from the grave. As a child of God, yes, we have to walk through darkness, even some dark valleys in this world. It's dark, but we don't have to be afraid anymore because right there with us is a good shepherd whose name is Jesus. As a child of God, we were once lost, we were once blind, but now we see. As a child of God, in the darkest moments, we can stand with great confidence on a solid foundation in the person of Jesus. As a child of God, we can experience his joy, his unending love in our lives today, even when life is tough. As a child of God, we have life, real life in Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something. Following Jesus is the greatest adventure you're ever going to be on. 
as a child of God. We have the very spirit of the living God, the spirit of Christ inside of us. We have the light of Christ in us, and it's his light that gives us strength. It's his life that gives us a supernatural peace, a shalom when things are dark and hard in the rest of the world. His light has power. His light has authority. You see, as a child of God, we now have hope in a dark world because Jesus is the light of the world and the darkness will never, ever overcome him. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Let's pray. You may be here today and... (laughs) Your whole life you've been trying to look good enough, act good enough, work hard enough, earn enough, and you realize you're trying to save yourself and you're tired. You realize you've just been grabbing at broken ice. Maybe you're here today and you've been living far from God in a state of disobedience. Perhaps you're here in a dark place without hope. Well, I want to pause for just a moment and offer you the gospel. The greatest gift that you'll ever be given at Christmas time. It's that God became a child, the person of Jesus, and in him we have life, we have light, and we have the right to become his child. It's up to us to receive and believe him, and maybe you're ready to begin that journey and take that first step today. And if that's you, you start by saying, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for trying to do it on my own. I'm sorry for living far from you. If you're ready to receive him and believe him, maybe he's calling you from darkness to light right now, and you know it. Don't miss this opportunity. It may not come around again. We don't know. This world is finite. Just simply say, Jesus, I am sorry. And then take a moment to thank him. Thank him for what he's done. Thank him for dying on the cross for your sins. He paid the price that we can't pray that we can't pay. He didn't know it, but he did. Thank him for dying on the cross for your sin. Then finally, just say, Jesus, I'm ready to surrender to you as king. Jesus, I'm ready to surrender to you. If you prayed that, I want you to know, and I want to welcome you into the family of God, <laughs> being a son, a daughter of the living God. And I also want to celebrate, I don't want to embarrass you, but with all heads bowed and eyes closed, if you received Jesus as your Savior, as your King, would you just slip up your hand right now, make eye contact with me? I see you. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. I want you to know that the angels in he- heaven are rejoicing right now. Every time somebody receives and believes in Jesus. Anybody else? Welcome to the family of God. God, thank you that you are in the business of transforming the hearts and minds of people. Thank you that you call us to yourself. You call us from darkness into your wonderful light. What a gift. Thank you for the people that took that step of faith today. Thanks for enabling that, Lord. You're good. You're a good father. We are grateful children. Thank you, Jesus, for being our king. It's in your name I pray. Amen.